If you do live streaming, I want you to check out Restream. Restream is an online recording studio and streaming service that allows you to stream to multiple platforms all at once. You can have guests to do your live stream and nobody has to install anything because it's entirely browser-based. I use Restream for my live streams, and you should at least give them a chance to check them out. Go to liberty-lighthouse.com slash Restream, and I'll save you $10 when you sign up for their premium service. You can try it for free, but once you see all of the cool features that come with the premium service, I'm pretty sure you're going to want it. So again, liberty-lighthouse.com slash Restream to save $10 on that cool premium service. The American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must eat America back Main Street to Wall Street Cities and states Washington, D.C. Before it's too late, there's not long Is it long, my fellow patriots and freedom fighters? We gotta do it! We gotta take it back. I'm coming to you from the state of independence, the birthplace of American liberty, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I'm your Thursday host of National Intel Report live on Republic Broadcasting Network. Free broadcast is Liberty Lighthouse on Mojo 50 Radio and Patriot Nation Radio Network. I am Peter Seraphine. A man, a legend, with, with a great a, beard. With the greatest beard in radio. This guy is the sweetest, nicest, most gentlest person you've ever met in your life the man's really insightful and pretty freaking smart with wit sharp like safety scissors i would i would walk over hot coals for this guy with a golden voice behind the microphone he's got a big fat juicy beautiful brain the nostradamus of political prognostication your host peter seraphine hey free speech is not free so uh support this network so donate if you can. Donations are obviously the biggest and best help. And if you can't donate, if you don't want to donate, if you want to get something tangible for your money, you can always buy the merchandise or visit one of the network sponsors. That would be greatly appreciated. Tonight, I have my co-host with me again, sort of, kind of. He keeps coming in and out. Apparently, he's having technical difficulties. Mr. Steve O'Brien of Republic of Texas Radio. Are you there, Steve? I'm here, I'm here. but I'm phasing. I'm kind of like drifting. I've Can noticed. You hear me? I hear you. Yeah. Pretty cool. You know, you got to say. <laughs> Pretty cool. Um, How are you? Good evening. I'm fantastic. How are you? Pretty good. A little bit tired, but I'm ready for this. Oh, cool. Well, what we're going to, what we're planning to do, what I want to do is in this first hour, I want to talk about the uh, the electoral college, and in the second hour, got a, a 
a Canadian entrepreneur who's going to join us, Mr. John Papaloni, and uh, check in on how things are going in the great white north. Um, <laughs> what, what we got... Oh, I don't even know. Dude. So two weeks ago, we had a caller call in talking about how... Uh, I as a third party candidate couldn't ever win election and he won and I told him I would talk about it. And last week we brought in the uh Constitution Party guy and it, we, we we didn't get there. We we got through the ballot access problems and why it's so hard to even get on a ballot as a third party person, but we didn't make it to the Electoral College, which is the next piece of the big puzzle. The why it is so hard for third-party people to ever get on anywhere. And, uh, well, the Electoral College is multi-layers, multifaceted. We're going to talk about a few of them. So, But before I forget, you know, this is a call-in radio show. So if you'd like to call in, join the conversation, be heard around the world, you can call 512-248-8252. Or 800-313-9443. So the Electoral College. We all know that uh, the Electoral College is... Uh, it's, it's how the president gets elected. And it's spelled out in the Constitution as each state gets the same number of, of votes in the Electoral College as they have members of the House and the Senate combined. And everything else about it is up to the states. So each state makes its own rules about how those those uh, you know, those electoral votes get awarded, how, who, what party gets them, and that kind of stuff. So most states, 48, if I remember, no, 47 states, have have gone to this all or nothing vote system where you either get the popular vote for the entire state and then you get all of the electoral votes for that state or you get nothing. Last week we talked about how hard it was for a third party person to even get on the ballot. And once they get on a ballot, well, they don't have the money that the two halves of the uniparty half. So they're not going to have the advertising. They're not going to get all of the support of the major parties. So what are the chances of a third party person actually winning in an entire state? seems to me that's, that's pretty slim. Right. Would you agree, mm-hmm. Steve? I would, you know, it sounds pretty stacked against them. Yeah. Um, there are, I, I say 47 because there are three states that use a different system, one of which I think is, is uh, well, I, I think it's ideal. So I think it's Rhode Island. It's one of these little itty-bitty tiny states. They happen to have, they get three votes in the Electoral College, and they also happen to have three counties. And they award the electoral votes by who wins each county. That seems reasonable to me. Would you agree? I, you know, I don't, I don't think I agree too much with the electoral college. Uh, 
but I don't know as much about it as you do. But I have lots of issues when we start talking about bossing each other around with uh, electoral colleges and things like that. Um, so <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just trying to get there. Well, why I support the Electoral College is because the three federally elected jobs, member of the House, Senate, and President, are all elected for different term lengths, elected using different methods by different people. Yeah. And there's the problem. You know, we, you know, we make an omelet this way, they make an omelet that way. And together we get a real screwed up breakfast. <laughs> so, uh, it just, it's, it's, it's fascinating um, for sure. And I, I, I did a little bit of studying on it again, right? And I've, I've dealt with the Electoral College, right? Being involved with uh, politics, right? Trying to get Ron Paul elected when he was an underperforming Republican. Um, going, oh, but the electors, it was almost like a Q thing. The electors are going to turn their backs and say, we're really Ron Pauls. And they will become what they call unfaithful electors. And that never happened. It was, But it was out there for yeah. a minute. It so, was. That's uh, another interesting point. Yeah. Because each state makes its own rules about how to appoint the electors. Each state also makes its own rules about what those electors can or cannot do, what they vote for, who they vote for. And I got to, I, you know, you all know I'm a mailman. This is December. I've been really busy. <laughs> I have no notes. Everything I'm talking about is going off the top of my head. So if I get a number wrong, please forgive me. But I think it's 19 states have passed laws that require their electors to vote the way they swore they would vote when they became electors. Meaning, if they go to Washington to the Electoral College and they said they were going to vote for candidate A, but they switch their vote and they vote for candidate B, they can be brought up on criminal charges, felony criminal charges, if they're from one of those 19 states. Well, that's probably good. I would. You know, I, I mean, I, I think that they should be, but but I don't know who these people are. Maybe you could fill me in on that. You know, so if, if what I get the elector body is right, you know, it's a a group of people from a party, I guess, because the Republicans and the Democrats, uh, whatever, they have their party, and so who, where does this elector? And then, of course, like you were saying. Where does the Constitution Party's elector come from, or the Libertarian Party, or the Green Party, or whatever party? Who gets the elector, and where does they get picked? Okay. And, uh, I, I don't get that. it. Well, that's, that's a party appointment. So, in the, for example, most states have rules kind of like Pennsylvania. We talked about a lot last week. Um, Pennsylvania was just as an example last week it was not supposed to be you know this is the way pennsylvania does it ah! it was supposed to be an example because most states operate very similarly to this little hymns and haws here and there but i'm in pennsylvania and our guest was in pennsylvania so we could discuss it pretty easily sure um most states have a distinction between major party and minor party or even political body major parties are democrats and republicans everywhere and some states have have allowed 
say, the Constitution Party or the Libertarian Party, to be considered major parties. And they got there because of all the things we talked about last week, whether it's voter registration numbers or whether it's how many people vote for that party, whatever. Major parties put forth their list of these are the people that we want to appoint as electors. Now, those positions, those jobs, are usually given out as like rewards. So let's say you're a, uh, a Republican Party guy and, and you you work in the Republican Party, you answer phone calls, you door knock, you do all of those kinds of things and you've been doing it for years and you get more people to register for the Republican Party than anybody else in your county. They might give you that elector's job as, as a reward, as a thank you for all of your hard work. Hmm. Wow. That that's scary. Yeah. It's not a paying wow. job. It's not a you know, it's 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 not a paying job, but it you know it's I, I don't know. is their only job to go over there and do their job? Like you said, only some states call it a felony to vote for somebody that that didn't get the electoral thing. Right. How many states did you say? Seventeen? I think it's nineteen. 19 okay so a couple states will will get upset if you didn't if you don't vote for donald trump or joe biden or whatever right but um you go there switch i wouldn't get upset if somebody doesn't vote for either one <laughs> but by the way that's different but you know i i vote for trump before Biden. okay just to put that out there so let's let's toss out the hypothetical that uh somehow a Patriot Party, Constitution Party, whatever, some not okay. Democrat or Republican, not major political party. Independent. How's independent. that? Independent. Yeah, even an independent. Whoever. Okay. Somebody who is not one of the two major parties or a major party, because like I said, smaller parties are major parties in some states, blah, 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 blah. So the major parties put forth their list. Sometimes even before the election, they say, look, if I ins- these are the people I want to send, I, w- I would like you to send um, as electors. Now, miracle of, of God, whatever you want to call it, fluke of the, of the universe, a, 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 a not major party person wins the presidential popular vote in your state. Well, that means that that either that candidate or his campaign or that party, depending on, you know, is he associated with a party at all or is he Mm -hmm. truly independent? Those people would then have to come together and and whoop up their (laughs) list of electors, which if he's doing that well in the polls, I'm sure he's already got a list of electors. He just can't present it to the governor or the state house, depending on the state, until know after the fact they say hey look we won here's our list wow. Instead of the democrats and republicans are like hey, here's our list just in case we win it's really not that big of a deal whether it's before or after because we all know the whole certification and and you know election day is is we'll say november 3rd and then they've got until like january before they have to send the electors. so there's plenty of time that's not a big deal the real obstacle in my opinion is the all-or-nothing electoral method that 47 states have adopted. Because as an independent or third-party person, 
you have to win an entire state to get an electoral vote. Now, again, I said there are three exceptions. There are three states that don't do it that way. I'm pretty sure the first one is Rhode Island. Like I said, three counties, <laughs> three electoral votes. They are a funny they, state. They do it by county. Makes perfect sense. The other two, Maine and Nebraska, if memory serves, they do an apportionment, a hybrid kind of a system that I'm a big fan of. So much so, I actually wrote this in in my book, my second book. So I think it was my, I don't know. I wrote it in one of my books. I wrote a big article on it, too, if you go to my website, liberty-lighthouse.com, uh, and look in the blog section. I don't write very many articles, but it's in there. Um, it's it was a it was about the uh, the in, the interstate compact, the national popular vote interstate compact. I believe I called it the article title is national popular vote mutiny compact or something like that. But those two states, Maine and Nebraska, what they do is they award the electoral votes by congressional district. Now remember, you get the same number of electors as you have congressmen and senators combined. So those two states award by congressional district, and then they have two votes left over, two electoral positions left over after making that decision. And they award those two kind of as a bonus to whoever wins the popular vote in the statewide election. Wow. So here in my home state of Pennsylvania, I think we're up to 20 electoral votes now. So we have 18 congressional districts plus two for the senators. If we were to do that, theoretically, if you had a you know huge tranche of candidates, you could have 18 people, 18 different people, 18 different candidates all earning one electoral vote with one of the 18 getting three. Hmm. You know, everything that you're telling me right now just uh, – oh, yeah. Now I understand why all these provinces of, well, the empire uh, don't want to become states because they lose some of their autonomy when they do that. Of course, you lose autonomy anytime you get, you join into a uh, a larger country, a larger organization. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, all right. Let's take okay. a, uh, a sponsor break so that uh, – you have a brilliant idea of where you can get a fabulous gift. Maybe. At Romica Designs, we're more than just a laser engraving and specialty design company. Much more. I'm Ron Phillips, co-owner of Romica Designs, and we're honored to work with our affiliates like Liberty Lighthouse to bring you professional laser engraving and customization. Great for one-of-a-kind gifts, home decor, business, and specialty items, or personalized and logo designs created just for you or your company. Allow Romica Designs and Liberty Lighthouse to become your go-to gift and specialty project partner. Romica Designs can help make your ideas a reality. We're ready to help you design and create that special gift for any occasion or engrave your personal or business logo on just about any product. All you have to do is simply email us with your ideas. We specialize in custom design, and we'd be honored to have the opportunity to discuss it with you. Visit us on the web at RomicaDesigns.com and use promo code LIGHTHOUSE during checkout to support Liberty Lighthouse with Peter Serafine. A big fan. They do some really cool stuff. 
one of the things that they did that I thought was awesome over at Romika Designs is when when the whole get your COVID shot thing was going around, they came out with shot glasses, little glass shot glasses that had engraved on it, COVID shot. And then <laughs> when, they get, when they decided that they had to have boosters, then he engraved huh. a pint glass that said, COVID booster. So if you bought the complete set, you got two shot glasses and and a and a pint glass, and it was hilarious. <laughs> mm. At least I. That's thought. good. Yeah. Okay. I've so. For that. So back to the college. Yes. The only way an independent or third party candidate can get an electoral vote any electoral votes with the system that we have now set up the way we have it now with all of the states with their own rules the way they are now is in those three states that don't do the all or nothing because the chances of an independent or third party person winning the popular vote for an entire state and therefore winning all of that state are slim to none but in those three states that have the apportionment of some type, whether it's by county or by congressional district, they could win a vote or two. And it has happened. If you look back at, at in the hist- history, there have been a few times that that a uh, third-party person has, has garnered an electoral vote or two. But we also have to remember that the Republican Party was a third party back in 1860. So it is possible. But like I have often said, this is part of why state representation, your local and state people have the power. Pay attention to your local and state houses and and committees and whatever. You've got to pay attention to them because they make the rules. It's your it's your state house, your state legislature, who has decided to go along with this all-or-nothing theme for the Electoral College. And the two halves of the Uniparty have gone together. And, you know, the Democrats and the Republicans, they came up with this. And they don't want to change it. Because it's guaranteeing their power. It's guaranteeing that they're really the only two that have a shot. Yeah, it's scary. <sighs> and really, there's nothing the federal government can do about it. This is entirely within the power of your state. Yeah, and therein lies the rub. You know, I'm in a county that, um, well, they say it's a Republican county, right? They say they're conservative. But my city is very liberal. Right. And I've got liberal stuff all around. But then out in the most liberal city, well, you know, Austin, Texas, we've got a bunch of conservative people that act like liberals and Looney Tunes. And I'm kind of screwed. Right. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, we, they're they're definitely uniparty. The, the Democrats hate the Republicans and the Republicans hate the Democrats. And they all work together to make sure we get screwed. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I don't know. So elect a 
elect better people. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Oh, God, that's great. You know, we, we, we kind of have, we have paper ballots. I don't know. I'm going to get you off track if I keep talking, so I'm going to shut up now. No. You know, I guess I, I'm just, just saying how futile I feel. I feel like we're describing the inside of the horse-drawn carriage, and we don't even have a horse, right? Because they, whoever, you know, we haven't got a horse yet because we don't have uh, chain of custody elections that are verifiable, right? Oh, chain of custody. Now you're talking my language. You know, it's... Um, well, and, and they, there's a good reason. The, the the federal government shouldn't have a lot of control, right? But therein lies the rub. You've got the crookedness happening everywhere, like here in Texas, right? The, um, God, what is his name? The, the Secretary of State is in charge of elections. So as shenanigans happen at the local front, what does the, the, what does the uh, election monitor do? He contacts the, the security or secretary of state and says, oh, my God. And, oh, the secretary says, so goes, oh, my God. And nothing happens. Right. And meanwhile, ballots are here and ballots are there and they're not watched. They have no chain of custody. But, you know, and then they get electors. <laughs> but but that we forget about. Yeah, it's just my frustration, Peter. I hear the music. Yes, you do. So we will uh, talk a little bit more about chain of custody and my perspective of it when we come back to the other side of this break. Good. (laughs) Home delivery meal kits are so convenient, but most of them are so expensive. A couple of years ago, I tried the intro offers for 8 or 10 different home delivery meal kit services, and I settled on EveryPlate. EveryPlate is half the price of most home delivery meal kits, just $4.99 a portion. Use the link at liberty-lighthouse.com slash EveryPlate, and you'll save even more off that already affordable price. In fact, the intro offer starts under $2 a portion at liberty-lighthouse.com slash everyplate. Sometimes I wonder if I want to look at the news, cycles and stuff, what's going on. Hey, I'm Peter. The other fella here is Mr. Steve O'Brien from Republic of Texas Radio. And uh, right. Steve, you have a an announcement kind of thing, a thing you want to plug. Let's let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Because I will forget yeah, real quick. Okay, great. 
anyways, I like live radio. So RBN's going to be dark a, a couple weekends, right? You know, and it's normal holiday season. The guys need a break. So I put together a, a well, a New Year's Day show. And in doing that, I was trying to get uh, RBN to, you know, let us use their satellite uplink for, you know, Sunday morning to talk to all your satellite uh, listening folks, because I really appreciate you out there, too. And, well, <laughs> Sam said that he'd come in and, and do the show live. And I'm going, wow, that's great. So uh, this year, New Year's Day, we will have live programming, thanks to Sam, well, thanks to Mike and everybody, Julie, uh, Tom, you know, over at RBN. They're making that possible. It won't be the same uh, same show schedule on Sunday morning, but you'll hear a lot of the people that you already know, and that will be coming up. We'll be going live on the, the 1st of January, 2023, at 8 o'clock in the morning, and keeping on going throughout the day. That's it. Going all day long? Well, at this point, we've got, uh, yes, it looks, it's, it's going to be all day. Um, I've scheduled uh, 8 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock at night, and a lot of the night hosts are going to be on it as well. I really don't have a lot of details about the evening stuff. Right. You know, it gets a little crazy and I'm a morning guy, so I really don't know what's going on with the evening stuff. But tune in on, on New Year's Day. You know, it's really a tribute to to Republic Broadcasting, too. We'd like to, to get some support for them for, you know, for their, oh, their hard work. So we yeah, it's a special. It's a RBN special. The you know, RBN New Year's, New Year's Day. Day 2023 live broadcast special that's awesome yeah should be good you know you should join us at some point there peter you know and say hi to the folks i might be able to pop it and say hi yeah i'll keep on you yeah (laughs) i can't stay long my my beautiful wife the reason that i I I do the show on thursdays is because she has a meeting thursday evenings so i do the show while she's out of the house for at least half of the show. And that way she doesn't hate me. <laughs> mm. Gotcha. Well, I, I do my weekends just because it's the perfect time slot. Not, I mean, I've been doing that since 2014, 2015, something like that. But in all honesty, it was John Stadmiller called me up. He said, you want to do Sunday morning? And I said, oh, yep, I've never done Sunday morning before. And I've been there ever since. Well, I honestly, I, I love this. I love sitting behind the microphone and talking. I love, especially when we get callers. So uh, if, you, if you're listening and you happen to have a phone handy, feel free to call in. 512-248-8252-800-313-9443. I love the live shows. I love the live call-ins. I never did really did live until I came to RBN. I mean, I did live streaming, but I didn't get a whole lot of traction from the video. And then my show would would air in audio format later. And I, I didn't get a whole lot of live interaction until I came to RBN. Love the live interaction. If I could find a way to replace my postal mail carrier salary with a job sitting behind a microphone five days a week or something like that, 
I would freaking love it. And uh, if you're out there and you've got some extra money and you want to help that, you can go to liberty-lighthouse.com and hit a donate button. <laughs> or peter4president.com. They both, uh, they, they're both going to the same thing. If you, you go to peter4president.com, it says real clearly across the top that I'm not a real candidate. I'm not allowed to be a candidate. And there is a donate button there. But before you donate, it also tells you that you know, this is not a tax-deductible donation. It is not a, a, a campaign donation. This is going to go to uh, fund the Liberty Lighthouse. So until I actually start to earn income doing this, I'm going to say this is a hobby. I get a little bit of money here and there, not a lot, but a little, that um, has not even come close to paying for all of the equipment that, that I is around me. So until a, until I at least earn enough to pay for my equipment and a and dollar or two extra, I'm going to continue to call this a hobby. But before the break, you brought up chain of custody when it comes to voting. I have a huge, huge issue with chain of custody and mail-in ballots in particular. As I, as I just said a few minutes ago, I'm, I'm a mail carrier. I'm a postal carrier. And as such, I see how mail is handled, what happens to it. So, Let's go through that process. Steve, you got your mail-in ballot. You filled it out, and you put it in your mailbox for your dutiful mail carrier to pick up. How many people do you think handle that ballot by the time it gets across town to the election, the, the county election office? Steve. Oh, well. well, let's go through the process. Your mail carrier picks it up out of your mailbox holds it for the rest of his workday, then brings it back to that local post office where it's handed off in a big bin with all of the mail that that carrier's picked up that day, handed off to a postal clerk. Now, so far, both of those people are federal employees. Now, your postal clerk, they gather the mail from all of the carriers coming in sort it and dump it into bins and do whatever it is that they're going to do with it. And then they hand it off to a truck driver. Generally, in my experience, a contracted truck driver that is not a federal employee. That truck driver is going to drive it to the local distribution center or the regional distribution center where it gets sorted, you know, unloaded by another postal clerk, another federal employee, takes it off the truck and then shoves it into a ginormous electronic sorting machine. Then another federal employee, another person, takes it out of the big ginormous sorting machine and then it goes onto another truck, most likely driven by another contractor. Then it goes back to your local post office or the post office, wherever your election office is. It is handled by a mail carrier. I'm sorry, first by a clerk who takes it off the truck and sorts it out to whichever mail carrier is going to get it. And then that mail carrier gets it and takes it to the elections office. 
So you're looking at two, four, six, at least, at a bare minimum, eight different people handled every piece of mail. At least. And that is that really is a bare minimum. Two of those, at least, are not federal employees. There's no sign-off. There's no Steve's ballot got from this place to this place to this place along the way. There is absolutely no chain of custody. And I think it's I, I think that alone is reason enough to get rid of mail and the no excuse mail in voting. Andy in Texas on line one. What do you have for us tonight? Welcome to the show. Oh, uh, hey, Peter. Thanks for taking my call. You know, you were just saying coming out of that break, you were saying, you know, you can donate to me on this particular area, but then you can donate for Peter for president. Then you had to put a whole bunch of disclaimers there. I don't know. When I was a little kid and I was in school and whatnot, I mean, the teacher told us that any person could be the president. Anybody could be the president. And then we look at how that's actually panned out. So when you finally get to an age where you can start thinking about it, then you find out that you got to be 35 years old, a natural-born citizen. And then apparently as we get closer to 35, then we find out that not only do you have to be 35 years old, a natural-born citizen, but you have to be a millionaire. And or you have to concur with all of these things that they want to get done, and you have to fall in line with the system as opposed to there's like six eight parties out there but only two of them get recognized and that's who's put in front of us so i mean the american dream was dead when i was a kid and 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 then for us to continue to think that somehow some way we can re-elect somebody or elect somebody new and get into this congress and and make a difference we're just biting, uh, we're biting on a piece of stick that we can't bite through. It's something we just can't do. And so I keep hearing a lot of people calling up on, I mean, it's hopium. It's big time hopium. And that's what politicians give you is hopium. Well, we'll get them next time, Tiger. Don't worry about it. We'll get them in 2024. We'll get them in 2028. We'll get them in the history or nothing in the future for us as far as goes that 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 one so my question to you peter is what is the next step if we can't correct this and i'm pretty sure we can't because it's all rigged then what are the people left to do is that our only asset is that everything that we had and we do we put all of our eggs in one box with this political election system all right well first i I got two things to, to i'll answer your question but first i have to say something I can't run for president, and my whole Peter for President campaign is is a parody, a spoof, a joke, or whatever. I can't run for president because I'm a federal employee. I'm forbidden from running because of the Hatch Act. The Hatch Act is designed, its, it's intention is to keep a federal employee from being able to use the you know power and resources of their job to sway an election. Because, you know, the 700 houses that I deliver mail to, that, that would be enough to sway a presidential election, whatever. But that's the purpose of the. Of it. I have to have all the disclaimers on all of my stuff because I'll get in trouble if I don't. I, I could get fired. I could be arrested if I don't make it perfectly clear that I'm not a real candidate. My Peter for president is more of a, this is what I would like to see from a presidential candidate. Now to your question. 
I personally think that we put far too much attention, I guess. We, we pay too much attention to the White House and Congress when it's compared to our state houses and our local offices. I, I think the county sheriff is the most important elected job in our country because it's the county sheriff who's going to be sent door to door to collect guns if Washington DC wants to uh, you know ban weapons. And like we just went over with the electoral college, it's your state house, your state legislature, whatever you call it in your state, who can change the electoral college in your state and make it so that an independent or a third party candidate has a chance. It's a lot easier to influence your state house or your county or your local than it is the federal. So we need to flip on its head how we think of our government. And that is, is largely because of the, the massive power takeover that our government's been doing for the last 125 years. Our federal government has, has reached into every part of our lives in ways that were never intended by our founding fathers and are unconstitutional to anybody who has enough brain cells to read a constitution. We have to put the pressure at the state and local levels and then the state and local levels, the, the pressure on DC. We can't change DC. Anybody who thinks that you can elect one or two or five people to go to DC and fix Washington is crazy. It's, it's unrealistic. If you wanted to fix Washington, you'd have to elect 500 people between the House and the Senate, enough to have a supermajority, a veto-proof supermajority in both houses. So Okay, so, so, so rolling back on the same question, um, uh, they, they, these people, okay, we got a 45-year uh, recipient as our president now. He's been nothing but politician. Uh, right. Nancy Pelosi, Dianne Feinstein, Chuck Schumer, all these people and stuff. We can't even come up with term limits in this thing, let alone give the uh, American dream. Because, you know, a lot of kids grow up thinking the American dream. I can be the president one day if I so desire and stuff. They took that away. It's gone. Even teachers today are not saying that to the children. Not just anybody can become a part of the political system. And, yeah, you're right. Once we get to the local area, sure, you can find your way in there. But, again, if you turn out to be a, a thorn in the foot of the entire political process, they'll find a way to to dig your butt out of there. And then you got I, activists that can get some bad people out. We can't get these so-called elected officials out. We cannot change anything. But my here's to, to reiterate the question again, is, is, is America, because it's a shot in the foot, is America uh, only reliant on, we can only change things in this country if we get political, if we go political, if we vote the right person in? And, and then when you're when you're sitting in a spot ready to vote somebody in and whatnot, and then the two candidates just don't meet your desire, but you still have to vote the lesser of two evils in if you want to vote at all. Is, is, the whole system is corrupt. How do we fix this thing outside of the political situation? Outside of the political, if you want to, you know, fix it in in, in some way outside of the system, 
the only way is take up arms. I mean, the, there, there is no right non-compliance. That's out if if you want to work outside the system. It's the only way it can be done. Um. Yeah, it's contrary to what we were taught. It's contrary to what we were taught. We were told that we everybody can make a difference. I grew up in the you know the seventies. I you know, was in the seventies. High school high school was in the eighties, and boom, I'm on my own. And then I start to realize that the government isn't what I thought it was. And then you have to billionaire to do this. I mean, where does it say anywhere in the Constitution that you have to have millions of dollars for? for say in the Constitution that you have to raise millions of dollars to be in Congress. It doesn't. But that is, no. the, that is the requirements of today's world. And so you have to be a wealthy person to rule over the poor people. And I would assume everybody who's a multimillionaire is ruling over people who haven't even seen a million dollars, let alone can even write it down on a piece of paper. Right. And this is all because we ignored George Washington's farewell address warning of the two-party system. that I mean, the, these two parties that we have now have been in power for so long that they have, they've rigged the system against anybody who's not one of their gang, I guess. And one of the ways that they've rigged the system is that they give you two, two candidates, a Republican and a Democrat, and it doesn't matter who we get. It doesn't matter who we get. You either get a rhino Republican or you get a flat-footed Democrat. And whatever they're looking for is either either way, it doesn't matter. They're still going to get what they want. And that's the problem because these people are, I mean, George Soros has shown us very well how this works. You know, the, the guy, the, it's the campaigns and whatnot. These are the people that get elected. But the people who have the money are the people who have been donated to. I mean, how did right. Ocasio-Cortez get elected? She was a barista or a barista and, and or a, 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 a bartender or whatever. And and this woman, she keeps getting reelected. She's got to go for two years at a time. She's been there for a good six, seven years now. And she's right. still getting and reelected. That's because once you're in the party, it's hard to get you out of the party. But, Andy, your phone is breaking up pretty bad, so I'm going to have to let you go. Thank you very much for the call. But it is it, it is the system that's that's rigged against us. It's the two-party system that we were warned about, and we ignored that warning. By now, I'm sure you know you can use the code LIGHTHOUSE and save up to 66% off at MyPillow.com. Did you know that you can also use the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyStore.com? MyStore.com is Mike Lindell's rebuttal to Amazon. MyStore.com is American products produced by American entrepreneurs. So use the code LIGHTHOUSE and visit MyStore.com to support American businesses. Thank you for holding through that quick break. Mike in Kentucky, line three. Hey, maybe one of you guys know, uh, he just, and I can't believe it's been that long ago, but did Ocasio Cortex or whatever her name is, uh, <laughs> ever figure out how to get her, uh, uh Ikea furniture together? <laughs> Remember that she, she got into the office and there was no furniture and she's like, where's my furniture? And I guess somebody got you know, wind of it, and they sent her a bunch of Ikea furniture, and uh, she's like, but I have to put it together. <laughs> so it's, it's, 
which I don't know. I guess there's some people have trouble with getting that stuff together, but <clears throat> I'm always the guy that gets called to do stuff like that, Christmas morning or not. So, Steve, uh, I heard you promote that uh, New Year's Day thing. You think you got it fairly nailed down on the start times or whatever? Steve? Did I lose you? Well, he's still on uh, CQ, CQ, Steve. <laughs> oh, Steve. He's, uh... Hey, there he is. You're muted, Breaking Steve. Up. We can't hear you. Something. Like I said, he's been oh, well, having te- technical difficulties this I evening. I just heard about that, and I was... I was going to prank him a little bit, but... Oh, well. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, uh, why don't we why don't we start a movement of voting local elections only? Forget the the national and maybe even just forget the state. Start voting local only, because as the old saying goes, all politics is local. So vote for your whatever magistrates, your township trustees, your mayor, your council, your um, maybe your whatever house representatives at the state level, and just forget the governor, forget the state senator. You know, forget the national offices, only vote local, or don't vote at all. Okay, I, mean, I, I think would send I a found message. the mute button. That, I think I uh, found the unmute button. You know, <laughs> uh, I don't know why it's so hard on, on Peter's show, right? But <laughs> I'm not blaming him. I really blame Microsoft. I always blame Microsoft. Can you really do that? But to answer your question, uh, Mike, Mike, Mike in Kentucky, um, me. Yeah, we're we're kind of solid on on uh, on the schedule, you know, between okay, eight well, o'clock Paul and four p.m. I, I can't I can't do the whole eight hours because Rand Paul needs me to filibuster. I guess they've got some kind of emergency spending bill, and the government's going to shut down on <laughs> January third. So I I go yeah. Washington and filibuster for like eight hours. Well, I'm that's just good. You, I'm just you sure are full of wind. <laughs> Hot air, sorry. <laughs> well, I try to yeah. keep up with Alan. I, I don't yeah, know about you, but the idea of a government shutdown—that that's like utopia for me. That's exciting. <laughs> that's exciting. That's kind of like you remember in Alabama. It's been probably twenty-five years ago or something. They had some kind of general strike of healthcare workers, and they, it lasted like ninety days. And some pencil pushers had nothing to do. I guess they started looking at the statistics, and the death rate plummeted, like the rate of <laughs> death. Is, so what are what happened if the government shut down for like? Four or five months. You scare but, the pants off of them. We don't need that government. Peter, if yeah. the government shuts down, will they say stay at home and then pay you as soon as they bless the, the budget? Unfortunately, you, I'm always exempt from the shutdowns. Ah, crap. The mail continues no matter what. No. Yeah, um, you're, you're supposed, you technically, do you really work for the government? I mean, you get the benefits, but the United States Postal Service is like its own corporation. I've heard the <laughs> postmaster... Postmaster at each post office actually wears two hats because he's a like the manager for the postal service, but he's still the old constitutional post office postmaster. Not really. Um, back in oh. the seventies, when the post office was was really thriving, and back then it was it was every postmaster was appointed directly by the president. Oh. But but the post office got to got so that they were making so much money they were like screw you guys we don't need you, and uh, they got split off into their own um, semi autonomous department within the executive branch. So 
And then, of course, UPS and FedEx came along and uh, put a hurting on the post office. And then, you know, mail volume drops and blah, 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 blah. All these things changed. And now the post office isn't, you know, swimming in money. And I, always thought, and, I was going to say, I always thought FedEx was kind of like a pun. <laughs> well, get rid of the, get rid of the feds. FedEx. We, yeah, I, I like that. We need to, maybe we can adopt that name. Um, but, but the post office, we, we are federal employees. We, we are a, a, an executive branch agency. We're just somewhat autonomous in that we don't use tax money, except for during COVID when they gave us that, whatever they gave us. Um, people say, you know, yell at you and say, oh, I pay your salary. I'm like, well, you pay my salary if you buy stamps. Your taxes have nothing to do with the post office. Well, it's supposed to not to, but I remember all the dang propaganda against the post offices lost $5 billion before they paid. They, they even sold one post stamp, you know, and that, that goes back like 10 years ago. And what it was is Congress was making them sock back, I think it was like so many billion, it was like couple billion, years. $5 billion a year for 10 years to, to build up their pension funds for people that yeah. ain't even born yet. Yeah. The, so this is the deal. Everybody who talks about this, the post office being insolvent or broke or whatever, it's broke because it's, it's strictly because of Congress. The post office can't raise the cost of a stamp without getting congressional approval. And even when they do, Congress will only approve the increase of the cost of a stamp up to and including the amount of inflation since the last increase. So let's see here. Um Inflation is one thing, but, you know, we have the largest fleet of vehicles on the planet and gas prices tripled. <laughs> but we are not allowed to raise our, our, our price, the price of our stamp. And you have to wait. You have to wait. But the pension thing is what got me is because yeah. when I read the full story on that, the news media was propagandizing everybody. The Postal Service was – and they, even Trump got in on the deal. like, we got to do something about the Postal Service. But they were making them sock back – I think it was supposed to be something crazy, like $50 billion yeah. for their pen, the to post- make the pension plan more uh, robust. And, of course, that allows who, – who gets to play with that broker, that money around in the stock market and make money off the off of the commissions and everything? Who does – who does, who plays with that? Here Again. in Kentucky – they tried to they tried to monkey with the teachers' retirement system and they tacked it onto a sewer bill. And the people that were brokering the the pension plan money made more money by shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic than the pension plan did. And so yep. that, I think the same thing might be going on there. Congress can use that to manipulate the market. Every big dark pool of liquidity, as I've heard the term, can be used to manipulate the stock market. And so they right. got fifty billion. Got to go, but you're absolutely right. And it was Congress that passed that law too. Be back in three minutes, my friends. If you live stream or host a podcast, I want you to check out Mayono for your audio equipment. Mayono is quality audio equipment at affordable prices, and you can save another 5% by using the code LIBERTYLIGHTHOUSE at mayono.com. Microphones, cables, stands, and interface equipment. 
I particularly love my Mayono caster, and it was one-third the price of the more famous competitor. So use the code Liberty Lighthouse, all one word, at Mayono.com, M-A-O-N-O.com. The American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must eat America back. Main Street to Wall Street. Sayings and states. December 15th, 2022. I'm, thir- I'm your Thursday host, Peter Seraphine. And, uh, well, I've got a guest joining us right now, Mr. John Papaloni, a Canadian entrepreneur who hopefully is going to tell us a little bit about what's going on in the Great White North. And uh, we've still got a couple of people on hold. So, welcome to the show, John. We'll start there. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I got two phone calls on hold. Do you mind uh, we take the phone calls and we'll get get your opinion on these things, too? Absolutely. All right. Let's start with uh, Pat in, Dallas, in Fort Worth on line five. Hi, Peter. I just wanted to... Uh tell how people might can influence something that's getting done. Uh, you could write letters to the editor. It'd be nicer if you had a a red state so you so they can't come and cut your water off or something, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what you do is you don't talk about your party. You just talk about the issues. And you can call them up and you talk about the issues. Uh, because, uh, see, when you say party, uh, uh, that's, that's the end of you, but they can't change their, uh, mind on their issues. See what I mean? The issues. Just talk about the issues. That's a good point. Write a letter and talk about the issues. That's a good point is to talk about the issues, not your party affiliation or, or your other person's party affiliation. Let them decide what they are. (laughs) I mean, they can go independent like this, uh, this Democrat did, but you know, you never know if she's just doing that so she can uh, fool everybody and get money from both sides. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you, you never, you okay. really never that's do mainly, know, right? All of, that's mainly all I wanted to say. It works. Just talking to issues, issues, issues. Okay. I completely agree. That that's wonderful. Thank you very much, Pat. Always appreciate your calls. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Anything to add to that, uh, John? You know what? I kind of agree with her about talking with the issues here. It's one of those things that I think politics today has become way too much about uh, political parties, Democrats or Republicans or liberals and conservatives if you're in Canada. And uh, it's been less about the policies. And, in fact, I don't think even the politicians talk about the policies anymore. I mean, the, yeah, the policies. They're talking about uh, what's wrong with each other instead. And uh, I think that's where it's gone wrong. I would agree. Um, we, <laughs> yeah, 
we all know that that the whole uh, as soon as you talk about party, it, it it the other side just turns off. They stop they stop listening. It's like, oh, you're one of those evil Republicans or evil Democrats or evil conservatives or evil liberals. Yeah, they just they just tune out. So, I mean, talking about the issues is is a good answer, a good solution, but uh, it, it's a matter of can you get the other side, can you get both people to do that? I mean, oftentimes you try to talk about the issues and, and people, uh, well, they just don't want to, they don't want to do that or they change it. Um, what was it what, recently with uh, 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 the Hunter Biden laptop? You know, I wanted to talk about the the the, uh, the, the corruption, the the China connection, the Ukrainian connection. I wanted to talk about those things, but anytime you brought up the Hunter Biden laptop, they were like, "Oh, well, you're just, you're just upset because he's doing crack." I'm like, I don't care that he's doing crack. I mean, probably not a good thing, but that's not the point. That's not the issue. Yeah, well, yeah. I think it's it's one of those things that is also based on how you ask the question, right? Like, it, one thing is, if you showcase yourself as undecided on what way you want to vote, and your answer can determine which direction I go, even if that's not true, that is something for them to pay attention to. Yeah. And, yeah, the, I and the way you frame it, because I mean, most people frame it as an attack. So as an, if they back it off as an attack and make it more of a question or inquiry, almost like, uh, you know, oh, I'm a little confused here, but this is what I what I remember seeing or reading or hearing. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what would happen in this case? Or is there a certain way, thing that, you know, like something that we should be expecting to happen as a result of this? Like, I, I'm not sure where this is going or, what, you know, what happened here. It forces them to kind of figure it out and try to come up with an answer and they're opening up the floodgates there because at that point in time once they do once answer they do. it in any way you pretty much uh, got them into the uh, topic yeah that's yeah. Yeah. stick to the issues i agree uh let's see we got lark in texas on line one welcome to the show lark well thank you i didn't realize you had a guest or i probably wouldn't have called in so <laughs> forgive me my friend for butting my in <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Number one, we we need to remember what uh, Antonin Scalia said about the Constitution. Remember, he was an originalist. He said the Constitution is dead, dead, dead. Now you can look that up online, and you could look at the context. But here's something else you can look at: the war between the states. Was that not a communist revolution won by the communist? And what happened in 1863 with the Lieber Code, General Orders Number 100? Was it ever rescinded? That placed everybody under martial rule uh, as pertains to the law of necessity during a time of war under international military law. Martial rule. And uh, i tell you who can bear that out for you is a new host on RBN is Michael Gaddy. I believe he's got a show on Saturdays. But then look at the, uh, look at the writings of the late George Gordon. He founded a law school, independent law school. 
look at the uh, the article that you can search online. is called "Are You a Practicing Communist?" Question mark. And the other one is the wild and free pigs of the Ogifinoki Swamp. These local people, city council, county commissioners, all your people on the uh, in the public health arena and so forth. They're taking their marching orders from regional councils nowadays. Right. Here it's in North Central uh, uh, Texas Council of Government. And uh, that means what they're doing is that they're, they have a new economic system coming into play where they're going to harvest the data of the children in the public schools, even the private schools, the universities, and everybody that's connected to insurance or health insurance or the public uh, health system. And they're going to make, uh, uh, I'm telling you, we've got a new economy coming up, okay? It's not, it's not like capitalism. It's not exactly like communism. It's actually communitarianism, which is the law which undergirds the European Union. That was a law that was 70, 80 years in the making. And since 9-11 in this country, all law enforcement in this country is communitarian law enforcement. So if your listeners would just do a simple search, what is communitarian law? They're going to find out that nobody has rights which are unaccompanied by duties and responsibilities. So the purpose of my call today was just to explain. I've been around a while. I used to be a host on this network. I've been associated with it since about 2009. And we forget these things. And I I hate to see that happen to uh, erstwhile well-meaning people. But we need to get, we need to up our game and we need to get knowledge up. Because if you want to talk to me out there sometime, the, the board ops all have my number. You are your guest. And if you want to talk about it for a few minutes, we can. But I can point you in the right directions so that you can get knowledge up. This idea of the Constitution is barely hanging by a thread. What's under attack is this Bill of Rights that everybody thinks that the average American, with their head stuck in the sand, uh, they think they've got rights. Well, I got news well, for you. Not all I think changed way after the new eleven. I, I just I think COVID proved that we don't have those rights. Our government ignores them. They they, you know, do whatever they want to do. And even if you have a a legitimate challenge and you bring it up in court, I mean, let's look at let's look at a vaccine mandate where you were required to get a jab while you're at whatever your job was and you said no and then you got fired and then you brought it to court and then you know two years later some judge overturns it but in the meantime you were unemployed for two years and you had to pay for that lawsuit and well you lost everything so yeah i our, our government now does whatever the heck they want to do and they deal with with the possibility of it getting overturned later like, oh, well, I got 90% of what I wanted anyway. And and you're you're right. We're, our Constitution is just barely hanging on by a thread. And uh, yeah, as far as the conversation off air, as far as the conversation off air goes, I'll, I'll get your number, and uh, I would like to have a chat. 
Well, cool. I appreciate it. I just didn't want to, you know, some of the newer listeners and newer hosts to forget the the work that's been done over the years on this network alone. You know, RBN is a special place. And uh, we just need to all, you know, get into sync, you know, sometimes. And I'm not saying that I'm the, uh, I'm a know-it-all and I know anything. I mean, you know, I'm nobody special. But uh, I've been on this topic for 18 years. And so uh, I think I can shed some light that uh, I actually think a lot of people need to get on board with so that we can face reality. I appreciate very much y'all taking my call. Hey, thanks for the call. Appreciate it, Lark. And last person on hold, Sarah in Oregon, line three. Welcome to the show. Hi. What's up, Sarah? Hi. Hi. Um, can, can pass back off on the last caller that we have our right now. The Constitution is, is hanging by a thread and everything is falling apart to pieces. That's why I do what I do. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, um, I, I need to go. Okay. Oh, okay. Thanks for the call, Sarah. All right, John. So right. what's it like <laughs> up there where you don't have a constitution and, and you, oh, yeah. you have a loose confederation is, is probably the closest that you can, uh, you can call what you got up there. Well, absolutely. Like we have a um, a uh, dictatorship in disguise of democracy, and um, apparently truckers are scarier than uh, the army is. So that's where we yeah. stand over here. <laughs> I mean, hey, when the Ukraine war started, maybe we should have sent the truckers there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the, the truckers from there and the, the the farmers over in Netherlands or wherever they are. I forget. <laughs> Ward oh, me over man. by now. Yeah, it's you know, like... First off, let's let's see who you are. You are um, a Canadian entrepreneur. You, uh, I believe you said your primary business is in real estate? That is correct. I, I'm in real estate and I have a media business at the same time. Okay. I'm, so, I'm based out uh, of so Toronto, could, Ontario. So you could help all those people that say, if so-and-so wins, I'm going to move to Canada. Oh yeah, absolutely. See, we got you guys saying that you guys are moving to Canada, and then us Canadians are saying we're moving to uh, the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> so it's almost like we can trade. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I there's there's a lot going on in my head right now. I, I'm thinking of the recent things out of Canada, and and the first thing that pops into my head is the whole assisted suicide. The the government sponsored what they called the made program or something like that that is absolutely preposterous i mean I, I like the bill hasn't been passed yet and that'll happen in the new year now i hope it doesn't pass but i'm not uh i, I doubt it won't I'm, I'm pretty sure it will it's uh it's it's ridiculous you know what i mean now how many people you know actually uh qualify and how many people are they going to push through for whatever bullcrap reason and i mean it's right. like look look when you're going through depression Everyone who's in major depression, if you ask them if they want to die at the time that they're at their peak depression, they're going to answer yes. But ask anybody who survived the suicide uh, what happened. And then, like someone who jumped off a bridge, you're going to say the minute 
their feet left the ground and they couldn't come back, they regret it. So nobody in that state of mind should be able to make a decision. I agree. I think it's funny. It's a good illustration to me. I'm old enough to remember Dr. Jack Kevorkian. Dr. Jack Kevorkian, for those who might not know, was a, a proponent of allowing people to die that wanted to die, mostly terminal cancer patients and stuff like that. And Dr. Jack created what was what was dubbed the suicide machine. And, and as far as I remember, it was basically uh, an IV and you know, you as the patient would flick the switches and and uh, you know administer yourself a lethal dose of whatever. I I don't know what it was. It doesn't really matter. It's not relevant to the point of the story. The point of the story is Dr. Jack Kevorkian created this assisted suicide thing, and he ended up going to jail for it because suicide is illegal. And he was deemed like one of the most evil people on the planet at the time. And now you flash forward 30, 40 years, whatever it's been, and the Canadian healthcare system, which all of America looks up to, says, why can't we have free healthcare like Canada? Is now saying, hey, um, it'd be cheaper for us if you just kill yourself. So we'll help you do that. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I don't disagree with assisted uh, suicide. If you're terminally ill, you're about the, at the point where the only thing that you see is pain 24-7 to the point that the morphine is no longer providing relief. And you're just at the point that you just live in pain and have the loved ones watch you in physical pain with no hope. At that point in time, you know, then that's a, then I believe that's a choice. But, when but you, you already have that yeah, but it's not as easy as it sounds. Put it that way. Okay. So it's 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 the system is you know it's so ridiculous. Like um, like even the whole thing, even going with the whole COVID vaccine here, right? Like like one minute the nurses were heroes who were uh, putting their lives on the line to help everybody who who got sick from COVID, and uh, everyone should uh, worship them because they're such saviors. And then the next minute, it's like you can go home because you're not going to take the jab. It's like, really? Yeah. What happened? Mm-hmm. They were heroes. And now that the system is so bad that the hospital has a 14-hour wait, oh, can you guys come back? What, they're heroes again? Right. You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. Give me a break. Like, it's either they're heroes or they're a villain. Which one is it? It depends on which way, uh, which which way the political party wants to treat them that particular day, if they're being useful tools or not. But I need a I need a laugh. Brought to you by the creators of Venezuelan Dream Vacations and Chernobyl Tropical Tours. Soul crushing socialist authoritarians everywhere herald it as a revolutionary new product, a must have for the 21st century. Tyranny is now available for sale in the United States with new advanced features such as federal equality in voting. Wear a mask and get vaccinated because we want to keep you all safe. And you can keep your guns, but paying off the national debt will be cheaper than buying ammunition. Get your tyranny today. Tyranny also makes an amazing gift. You can share it with your friends and family for the low, low cost of your liberty. Don't miss out on your piece of tyranny. Call today, 800-727-3996. That's 800-SCREW-YOU. 
coming soon to Toronto, Ontario, Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hey, we got another phone call. Francis in North Carolina. Welcome to the show. What you got for us tonight? Oh, what don't I? Um, I, you know, when I, I happen to tune in, I think I may have been a little bit late tuning in, but, uh, when the co- uh, commentary about the Constitution, Bill of Rights or whatever is gone, shot, whatever have you, and so forth, uh, as far as the politicians go in D.C. and the whole area, for that matter, the federal government, yes, it is. But the everyday person, this may come as a shocker, but whenever you look in the mirror, especially like in the morning when you're getting yourself ready to go, when you're looking in the mirror at yourself, you're looking at the Constitution. You're looking at the Bill of Rights. The only person that can let go of that is that person. You give it up, then you're toast. If you don't, then keep on going in life. And if someone says, well, you can't do this, you can't do that, it's like, excuse me, do you pay my bills? Yep. And so forth. Uh, so basically, the Constitution Bill of Rights is not gone. For the politicians, it is. They could care less. But then again, the people never voted for those individuals to start with because the elections are rigged. So as a result, I haven't voted for the past few decades because one, I even wrote down, uh, what was it, void on the uh, ballot that I went to the nearest polling place or whatever to vote was concerned. So that way they couldn't use it. Right. Regardless of who for. Yeah, you You created what's known as a spoiled ballot. Well, guess what? If more people started doing that, they might actually get a a clue and say, okay, we got got an incursion here. But you know what? The real incursions in D.C. is not the people. The people Uh, are the government, not the so-called powerheads. Now, I do have a quick question for you, though. When I hear, I can't even pronounce it properly because it's a different... uh, tongue for me, but uh, there's, okay, Parabellum I can get as far as the pronunciation goes, but I lose the first part. See this Pashem. Okay, there you go. Okay, translated, okay, obviously that's in a different language uh, for me, but pardon? It's Latin. In Latin. And that translates into English as what? If you want peace, prepare for war. Ooh. <laughs> you know that that now that that can make tweak your head for a moment as far as your brain cells go and wonder, well, you know, is is it not better to have peace than to have to instigate war to try to keep it? Well, it's 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 been re purposed many times in our nation's history. It was done by uh, Teddy Roosevelt as walk softly, but carry a big stick. It was done. It was done by Ronald Reagan as peace through strength. So the idea Uh, is just by being strong, people won't mess with you. Well, well, as long as one is walking peacefully in strength, people will pick it up and they will leave you be. That's the idea. Regardless of who it is. So uh, that's an interesting irony. But hey, <laughs> I have to applaud you for it. But anyway, Shade, uh, thank you. have a great weekend. Play hard. And if you don't mind, I'll have lime, coconut, and pineapple with my Corona. <laughs>
thanks, Francis. Take care. Play I, hard. Later. John, I, I do a, a Liberty Minute, and I end every Liberty Minute with the phrase, see this passion parabellum. And uh, that's what uh, she was asking about. Got it. So, yeah, I even have a comment of uh, what we're talking about there. Like, sure. I, I think that uh, this stuff has been long gone a long time ago. It's just that COVID brought more things to the media attention, and it just made it more obvious since COVID came in. Um, and here's another point in time. Like, let's take a mortgage. I'm going to use my own industry as an example. Now, we go to the bank. We try to get a loan, and we go to, through the applications, and they go through this rigorous, uh, you know, like process that uh, stresses everybody out, including the person putting it in the computer. When in reality is, I can tell you for a fact that they have all your information in the computer, including your tax return and your income uh, verification. They already have that. So they already know. And as a result, why are they asking? Right? Like, they're just, it's almost like it's torture. Yeah. I don't know why they're asking, but we're up against a commercial break here. When we come yeah, back on the other side, maybe you can uh, explain why they're asking those things. All right, sounds good. Be back in three minutes. I have an idea to fix almost all of the problems with our federal government. Okay, it's not my idea. It's a bill sitting in the House that will probably never get a vote. H.R. 46, the One Bill, One Topic Transparency Act. If every bill in the House could only deal with one subject, then Congress couldn't add unrelated amendments. Pork and earmark would become nearly impossible. Every bill would have to stand on its own merits. No more bad laws tacked onto spending bills. Corruption would become more difficult. Waste would become more obvious. We would get the transparency from Congress that we deserve. H.R. 46, One Bill, One Subject Transparency Act would be the greatest legislative win for we the people since the U.S. Constitution. Read H.R. 46 and sign a petition of support at liberty-lighthouse.com slash H.R. 46. back to National Intel Report final segment of tonight's show. We got John from Canada on the line checking in on the great northern white or great up north or whatever. I the great whatever you guys are, I forgot to call you. <laughs> great white north. That's what I was trying to remember. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> okay, so if I go to you know redo my mortgage or whatever. Why are they asking me all of the questions that they already have the answers to? See, that's what I'm wondering. I'm trying to see if that they're trying to uncover hidden things that may not show up. Because let's be honest, that once upon a time, a lot of people did a lot of cash things. And if there's unexplainable things that come up in your account and it's cash, they can uh, discover that stuff. Um, that's the only reason I can think of. Because if everything else shows up in their system, so it makes no sense for any other reason for them to ask. Right? Like, I mean, like, your income shows up. 
all your past loans, whether it was with their bank or not their bank, and it doesn't matter which credit reporting agency is there, it's all there. I mean, they even have stuff from 30, 40 years ago. I mean, it doesn't affect your credit rating past seven years, but they're fully aware of every loan you've had, which ones you paid or didn't pay, regardless of whether it's on your credit report. So, so they're, just, it, they're just checking to see if uh, you you know made some crypto money that they don't know about? Yeah, it must be, or something, or if you're hiding something. or uh, I, 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 The only thing I can think of is maybe, uh, you know, just to verify it's the same person. But, I mean, how much... Like, how much torture do you have to put a person through to recognize it's the same person? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, so it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I mean, like, before I was aware that they had this information, I, I thought that you had to bring it to them and they had to verify because it's the only way they saw it. But when I saw I saw the back end of it and I saw that the information was already there, and I thought, if the information is already there, then why are they asking? Like, that just seems silly. Right? Yeah. But I, I, it's probably probably to verify that you're not hiding something or you're not, you know, hey, you know, mortgage fraud is a big thing out there. It's uh, more relevant now. Now that things are turning upside down, it's becoming more apparent than it was before. So with that being said, that could be what they're looking out for to see what's uh, inconsistent. Well, I just saw a meme. I think, I think it was today. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to get the numbers exactly right because, you know, whatever. Um, it was about buying a house and how much house can you afford kind of a meme. And it had, you know, like on the left side, there was a, a picture of a house and the date of like 2018 and interest rate of, you know, 1.2 or whatever the heck it was in 2018. And then, you know, the, the, the house was $500,000 and your payment was like, you know, a thousand bucks, whatever. I don't remember. But the second right, right. side had a picture of the same house with the interest rate of, you know, six or whatever the heck it is now. And the fact that you could now only pay $350,000 to have the same payment for that same house. So, these interest rate hikes that we've had recently, I mean, here in, in the Fed, in the U.S., the Fed has raised interest rates like six consecutive times now, and they're up to like four and a half base points, which is the highest it's been in like 30 years. Here's what's butt and, backwards. We had seven consecutive raises, and we're actually a quarter point behind you. <laughs> Wow. So, <laughs> you figure with more raises we'd be ahead of you, but nope. uh, you're, you're. But we're actually quarter point. We were ahead of you until yesterday, or the last one you just got. Yeah, the half a half a percent one. But yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I get what they're trying to do. I mean, the, the the only way for the federal government to to pull money out to to you know bring back the money into the federal reserve the money that's floating out there in the real world is to raise those interest rates but now here I'm, here's what i think i think this is a myth i think this is a a bunch of politicians being lazy and here's oh yeah. what I mean. the problem is that they've we have and this goes not just real estate real estate is a big part of this but more importantly there's a supply issue there's a, you know, I mean, like the, there's too much of a demand and not enough supply. 
And rather than fixing the supply chain, you know, when they closed all the borders and didn't allow any shipments, that emptied out all the shelves and stopped production right across the world. When they did that, that, that caused a major, major supply problem. They haven't quite fixed it. They haven't figured out how to fix it. And the supply hasn't gone back to 100%. It's still even lagging, even the deliveries lagging, let alone the actual uh, distribution. And, and that is the major problem. Um, but rather than addressing the major problem, let's just make things so unaffordable that uh, it'll force people to stop buying, and therefore we won't need the supply. Right. God forbid uh, any government actually go to the root of a problem uh, instead of yeah. just treating symptoms. All right. So right. I, I, I probably said this four times in tonight's show already, but I'm a mailman. I work for the post office full time. And and this is the month of December. And in the eight years now, the eight eight Christmas seasons that I have delivered mail, I have never made it to December 15th and been able to fit everything in my vehicle and be able to do it, do my route in one trip. Normally, you know, the day after Thanksgiving, all the way until a couple of days before Christmas, it takes two or three trips in order to deliver all the parcels and presents. And so far this year, I've had one day where I couldn't fit everything all in one trip. Now, I'm not an economist, but if I had to uh, look at that in the through the through the uh, you know, economic forecast goggles. I'd say that's a pretty bad omen. Yeah, I uh, I think we're in this recession that the government says we're not in. And I think we've been in the recession for the last five months. And um, <laughs> I don't mean just the U.S. I mean both sides of the border. I think uh, we both went through an election of some sort around the same time. We were like a month apart from each other. Ours was a, a city election, like a mayor where yours was the actual federal by-election. But I think both sides did not want to say it was a recession in order to uh, not skew the people's thoughts uh, and in terms of the votes. Um, but the thing is, now the, the election is long gone. I don't know what the holdup is, because obviously, even if their goal was to not ruin Christmas, I think that's long gone and long past. I think the fact that they've raised interest rates at this rate um, and continuously raise them with no end in sight, I think that's kind of put the damper on people's mood for Christmas. So I think that's already gone down the, down the tubes. So why not do the proper thing, declare what it is, and do something about it? Yeah. Um, th- there's definitely something wrong. I mean, here in our country, the, the, the uh, resident in the White House... You know, they tried to say over and over again that it's not a recession. And, and you know, when we had the two consecutive quarters of negative growth, the, the White House stood there and said, well, that's not the official definition. I mean, that's what people think, but that's not the official definition. When it literally is the official definition of recession is two, two consecutive quarters of negative growth. And, I mean, we're clearly in a recession. And I don't understand why, you know, these the these people. I don't understand why the, the folks in charge can't just admit it. Yeah, I know. I, I, I get it. Look, 
I remember I used to go to um, Buffalo. Like, I mean, it's not that uh, far of a trip for me. I was across the border to go to, uh, oh, what's that mall? Uh, Walden Galleria Mall. And I used to, I'm a fan of the Cheesecake Factory, and uh, I love it. And there's only one in Canada that only came out recently, and it's really not the same. <laughs> so, but the point is, I go there. And I remember, the whole point is, we used to go, get one of those buzzers to go into the restaurant, because it would be an hour to an hour and a half, sometimes two hours before we get a table. So you have plenty of time to go around the mall, do your shopping, look around, and then our thing would buzz, and we'd fly there before they uh, gave it away. And, and that was a normal pattern. I, other than the Apple store, there may have been, I don't think I have enough fingers and toes. Like, I think I have too many fingers and toes because, like, what I'm trying to say is there might have been 20 people within the whole mall other than the Apple store. For whatever reason, the Apple store was jam-packed. I don't know why. Neither does it matter. But that was the only store that had people. And I remember I went to the Cheesecake Factory. I didn't bother with the buzzer because I realized I don't really need it. So we went in after we went shopping. And uh, the waitress told me it was busy. Waitress told me it was busy. There was 11 people. I counted 11 people, including us. I was like, that's busy? She goes, yeah, well, the mall slowed down. I guess that's a part of uh, being in a shopping mall. And I thought, yeah, I went from two-hour wait to 11 people, and they consider that busy, but it's not a recession. No, not a recession. Well, my mall in my town, uh, it's called the Nittany Mall because I live close to Penn State University, so everything's Nittany something, Nittany Lion in Nittany this, Nittany that. Um, it's funny is you're up on the highway nearby, and, and there's a sign that says, Attractions, Nittany Mall, next exit. And it's not an attraction. Our mall no longer has a department store at all. JCPenney's and Macy's and Sears have all shut down and left. We've got a Gabe's discount store. A uh, rural king just moved in. It's kind of like tractor supply, but better, if you ask me, because they sell guns. And, 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 and more closed shut up storefronts than there are actual stores. Yeah. So when I tell people that I'm not delivering as much stuff as I usually do as a mailman, they're like, well, maybe people decided that this year they're going to go to the stores and shop because, you know, the last two years there's COVID. Ah, I can't leave the house. And they did everything online. So this year, maybe they're going out and doing shopping in person. I, I look at our mall and I say, um, I kind of doubt that. I, I, I think it's called a recession. I, I think our economy sucks and people don't have money to spend. And for some reason, nobody wants to talk about that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Now, like, it's, I, I don't get it, right? Like, I just don't get it. It's like people are terrified. They're clearly terrified. Um, the only thing that's getting a lot of spending is alcohol, which is traditional in a recession. People try to drown their worries away. And, um, yeah, other than that, everything else is clawed back. So, you know, like, if things are clawed back, and yet, and and then the layoffs are rampant, what do you call this? A uh, boom market? 
Well, if you listen to if you listen to our government, if you listen to the White House in the United States, yeah, this is oh, we've created a record number of jobs, and we're we're climbing back. We're doing great. Yeah. Hey, never mind your government. Get in line. Our government's not only uh, claiming how great it is, he's giving money away to everyone but his people. Yeah. Like, well, I'm all for immigration. I'm all for helping people. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But it's like our people are on the street, and uh, he's sending money everywhere else. Right. How is that logical? Yeah, right. It's, it's like down here. You know, we're $31 trillion in debt, but we keep sending money off to Ukraine to, to fund is basically somebody else's civil war because i don't care how you spin it no matter what anybody tries to tell me about the ukraine russian thing it's a freaking civil war russia was founded out of kiev until... I, I understand that I, I i don't disagree with you on terms of it being a civil war i don't disagree with you on that i still think it's unjust and i i like I'm not for saying, you know, go fend for yourself and screw you, pardon the lack of uh, terminology here. But at the same time is that uh, just sending over money with no kind of resolution in sight. You know, it's like somebody says, I don't have a job. We'll take a hundred bucks. Great. The hundred bucks is going to run out. Now what? Uh-huh. Right. What? Where's the solution? Are, are you saying that handouts don't fix everything? That's blasphemy, no. my friend. I know, I know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, God forbid. I mean, if somebody wants to send a handout, I'll give them my address. They can send me lots of handouts. I'll take Liberty-Lighthouse.com. <laughs> but yeah, like, and that's my point, right? This, like, I'm all for it. If you're going to hand out, hand out. But there should be a resolution so it's a one-time handout, not a consistent handout. Um, I, I completely agree. Yeah, and, and again, like, like... Ironically, I've said this before, and I really believe this, and I'm probably going to, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to fall off their seats or they're going to cheer me on on this re- remark, but it's what I really believe. I believe the issue is that nobody's afraid of your president. Uh, I'm not even, I don't even think his staff is afraid of your president. And what ends up happening is that you got this uh, tyrant over there that's trying to take over. And uh, I mean, look what happened. Biden says, you step one foot. In NATO, you know, territory, and that'll be the end. And what does Putin do? Take a selfie picture in front of a nuke bomb and then send it to him. Like, well, come on. Like, like, does that tell you that someone's afraid? Like, give me a break, right? Now, I'm willing to bet, and I hate to say this, and this is the problem, with, like, with American uh, uh, politics, because you can't be more than two times. But I'm willing to bet if George W. Bush was in power, uh, he'd have his tail between his legs and he'd shut up. That would have never happened. And I, I'm shaking my head as I say this because when the guy was in power, I disliked him. I mean, not personal. Let, let, let's be honest. Too many people take these politicians on a personal level as if they personally did something. These guys are just there doing a job and they're making choices. And it's not always the best choices, but they're making choices. I mean, on a real level, we don't know them personally. And I'm not right. saying there isn't crooked ones out there because every profession has a crook somewhere. But and, you know, I think and we don't know the that the only political leader anywhere, not saying leader of a country, but but even political party leader, the only political party leader anywhere in the world that I've heard talk about a peace agreement was Trump. 
Yeah, why, yeah, why, that's true. Why is peace not the end goal? Anyway, uh, let's uh, let me do this for a second. I'm Peter Seraphine, and so simple even a politician can understand is my latest book. It is a book of simple ideas that would go a long way towards fixing some pretty big problems in our government. It is an easy-to-read short book that uses common sense, something seriously lacking in our government. Order your copy for less than $10 wherever books are sold or at liberty-lighthouse.com slash books. And I, I have to say that so simple even a politician can understand is a small, flexible paperback book that would make a lovely stocking stuffer. And if you order it right now, you could probably still get it by Christmas. Okay. I, I am so, yeah. so against all of these countries sending all of this money to Ukraine. And yes, Putin is a commie bastard. It is what it is. But yeah, before, Putin, before Putin stepped foot into Ukraine, just a couple of years ago, there was there there were, was you know reports that Zelensky was was jailing his political opponents. Reports of mass graves in in the east of Ukraine, massive amounts of corruption, all of these things. Putin being a commie bastard does not mean that Vladimir Zelensky is a saint. They can both be bastards. That's true. That's true. Except, so why are we picking sides? I mean, I, I can't speak for Canada because I don't, to be quite honest, I don't know, don't pay too much of attention to your politics other than the crazy stuff. But, oh, but United me, States... There's crazy stuff there, too. Oh, yeah. There's more crazy stuff in Canada. It's just not talked about as much. I mean, this guy, uh, you know, like, like our politician talked like a big man. We have no army. Every bullet we had from the army has gone to Ukraine. So what are you going to do, have a balloon fight? Like, give me a break. Like, our our army has been so decimated from this, and which we didn't have one to begin with, that uh, NATO has threatened our prime minister that if he doesn't up it, they're threatening to kick him out of it. Well, you know I, what I mean? I like, like, I thought it was really funny to watch uh, Xi Jinping basically tell your prime minister Trudeau to go F himself when when Trudeau went to, to whatever, the G20 or whatever it was, that he w- was there and he tried to talk to Xi Jinping, and Xi Jinping was like, F off. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah, great. Like, <laughs> sometimes it's important to know your place and, you know, where you stand. And he does not have a standing anywhere that's very strong. What are you going to do? Oh. Canada's going to react. With what? A balloon fight? Right? Like, what are we going to react with? What I was just about to say was, you know, you, the United States has a absolutely horrible record of picking sides in other people's battles. I mean, we we propped up Saddam Hussein. We armed him. We propped him up. We made him leader of Iraq. And then we had to go and topple him because, you know, he was a bad guy. Well, news I, got flash, a, I got a theory. He that, was always a bad guy. It wasn't. It wasn't like we thought he was a saint, and we and we put him in charge because you know he, we thought he was a good guy and he was going to run the country and turn it democratic or something. No, he was a bad guy from day one, and we propped him up anyway, based on the you know enemy of my enemy is my friend 
BS. But hang on, hang on. Is that really true? And here's what I mean by that. Yeah, everybody called him bad. Everybody said he was horrible. He was horrendous. But you know what? Here's something. Now, the threat, there was also the talk of weapons of mass destruction. And there was zero weapons of mass destruction when right. they actually went in. Right. So, it was, that now, was a lie propped up by, by the American news media. Yeah, but here's my theory. Here's my theory. I think George Bush Sr. started a war and didn't get a chance to finish it. And I think George W. Bush went to finish his father's war. I right, think it has I anything agree. to do with how bad it was. Right? I mean, I, I don't I, think... I, I, like, it's... it's Absolutely. I, I don't know if that uh, second war was required. Maybe the first one. I'm not going to argue about the first one. There was some bad stuff there. I'm not going to. I'm I not disagreeing there's, with there's that. There's questionability about the first one. And I served during the first one. I was in the Navy during the first one. I signed up. I raised my hand and swore my oath of enlistment 15 days before the Saddam Hussein get out of Kuwait deadline. But if right. you look at what was going on, if you look outside the American news media, of why Saddam Hussein did what he did with Kuwait, you could say he had a legitimate reason. And I bet if we looked outside of Western media at what what Putin is saying and doing, you could probably make an argument that Putin has, an, has a legitimate reason for being in Ukraine. <laughs> and that's a possibility. I'm not saying that it's true. Look, at one point in time, I respected Putin, and I'm going to tell you why if you want to hear it. <laughs> sure. It's um, Now, I don't know if you saw this or the, this uh, interview or whatever, right? But I don't remember which war was happening, but it's, uh, and he had attacked the U.S. verbally. Um, what ended up happening is it had to do with the terrorists and stuff and all that was going on. And he, like, I remember the, like, somebody made a smug remark about Russia calling him the enemy, and he responded. He said... Here it is. You go out to fight your wars. You're spending your time policing the world as if you're the world's police. You go and fight your wars. You leave your equipment there for other people to take it. Then they take it and use it against you, and then you cry to me for help. And when I say I don't want to be involved in your war, you say I'm your enemy. <laughs> right? And, and, that, and, that, and that was uh, basically uh, what his response was, right? And that was before he bombed Syria. Right, so then he obviously guess he got involved because he probably felt forced to be involved. But the point is that he didn't want to, and he said he didn't want to. He said it wasn't my war, right? And then he got a point. Every time America goes to war, they ship their friggin' army stuff there, and then they leave it behind. Well, how hard is it right. for a person to uh, put it back together? Right, and get right. right. We leave we leave it behind, and we don't even spike it. We we don't even like disable the stuff. We just leave it behind. And, and as far as the United States being the world's police, I mean, look at Vietnam. The French were in Vietnam for a hundred years. And the French pull out and America goes, well, we'll go in. We're better than the French. We can do it without doing any legitimate research. Yeah, and that's my point, right? So you guys have a target on your back, not because you're bad people. You have a tar because you did anything wrong or right. You have a target on your back because you get involved in, in stuff that has nothing to do with you. So people are now just starting to think, okay, America's going to get involved. So now they're being proactive. I, 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 bottom line. We're, we're far too involved in, in all this stuff. And I, I said earlier in the show, the first hour, 
we were talking about uh, the Electoral College and how we have a, a problem getting anybody who's not a Democrat or Republican anywhere near the Congress. And we, we the, the country of the United States, ignored George Washington's warning about the two-party system. But we also ignored his warning about foreign entanglements. We should not be involved in nearly as much stuff as we are in, in foreign countries. A lot of this stuff is entirely up to the people of those countries. We have a horrible track record of picking sides. And and, and the much of the world hates us because of how we do what we do. And the idiots and in Washington, D.C. don't care because they just want to make their millions and retire. And here's the other thing, right, which brings up the point, right? Like, look, how many times – I'm willing to bet that there's certain wars that have happened because you guys enabled it. And I don't mean directly. No. But indirectly because they know – if they retaliate or whatever happened or they get it, whatever, they, like one country will do something to the other country. And they know, if well, if we retaliate, we don't have to be afraid because the Americans will get involved and then the other guys are going to get screwed, right? And what ends up happening is that enables the person. Now, if that, per, if that, that country thought, well, the Americans aren't going to help us, maybe we should let things go and just iron things out. Hey, That's we're almost out of time, John. So why don't you uh, tell us how listeners can reach you? Absolutely. You can find me online on my website at papalonimedia.com, or you can uh, find me on Instagram at uh, uh, with my name, J-O-H-N-P-A-P-A-L-O-N-I. Okay. Um, but yeah, I wanted to make sure we got that in. I'm terrible about uh, about leaving time for that. So when I saw that we were getting close, I said, oh, wait, shut up. I got to get got to give you time for that. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, I, I enjoy hearing a somewhat of an outsider. I mean, you're still a Westerner, so you're not completely an outsider's perspective of the United States, but you're not in the United States. I enjoy getting outside perspectives of, of us as a nation. I I just started my political stuff a couple of years ago because I thought people are going crazy, and I and I still think we're going crazy, and I, I need to hear it from other people sometimes. But thanks. Yeah. Thanks for well, coming look, in I tonight, want, John. If you're listening I, on Republic Broadcasting Network, stay tuned for Edge of Darkness with Jeffrey Bennett. Thanks for joining us. Uh, John, thank you. Mike, the producer, couldn't have done the show without you. Thank you, the listener. You're why we do the show. Until next week, protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America. We must take the miracle back. We must take the night before Christmas, the kids snuggled asleep in their beds when you heard a loud rumble like Santa and his sled. So you went downstairs to take a peek, get a look. You were confronted by this creep, a crook. He drew his weapon, but you fired first. And now this creep could take all your worth. Secure your family with right to bear insurance. Plans start at $10.95 a month with civil and criminal defense coverage options up to $2 million.
Visit liberty-lighthouse.com slash right to bear to learn more or to sign up and start protecting what you have now. <laughs> 